Hello, family. I hope you're having a good 4th of July weekend. You know, Jesus ministered in word and power. He, he healed and he preached. He, he would go out and touch people, and then people would be curious, drawn to the ministry, uh, and then he would teach them about the kingdom of God. Matthew summarizes his ministry like this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So the apostles follow the example of Jesus, and they continue this ministry of word and power. Uh, last week we saw the first part. When Peter and John meet a lame man, they, uh, they ask Jesus to heal him. Jesus powerfully does. Uh, the people's curiosity is awakened. And then Peter preaches a sermon to explain what's happening. Uh, there are three parts to the sermon. Peter begins by telling the crowd that uh, they are not magicians. He and John didn't heal the man. Uh, Jesus, the very man they crucified, is the one who's done the healing. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? And then he uses three theologically packed phrases to describe uh, who this Jesus is. Jesus, he says, is a suffering servant. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. Now, where did he get this idea of the servant Jesus? That would have been code language to any Jew that knew their scripture. The prophet Isaiah had comforted Israel in exile by saying that one day a Messiah would come, but the Messiah would not be a, a triumphant war hero. He would triumph through his suffering. It, it puzzled the, the scholars for hundreds of years. Here's just a portion from Isaiah 52 and 53. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So what kind of God is this Jesus? He's a suffering God. He defeats evil through his own suffering. And, uh, he's with us now as a suffering servant. Many people are asking in this difficult time, where's God? Well, the Christian answer is, God is suffering with us. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is also the holy and righteous one. Peter tells the people, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Now, that, interestingly, when Jesus encounters a demon in Mark 1, the demon says, I know who you are. You're the holy one of God. When the disciples, many disciples, leave Jesus in John 6, Jesus says to the remaining ones, Are you going to go away too? Peter says, We believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Evidently, it was an important name of Jesus. To be holy means to be set apart, other, beyond. And so you see this great mystery of, 
Christ's uh, two natures here. He is, he suffers with us, he's human, but he is also God, he's beyond, he's other, he's above. And so he's with us in our suffering, but he's sovereign over us in our suffering. The third title, Jesus is the author of life. Peter says, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. That Greek word for life, or rather for author, could mean a couple things. Sometimes it's translated source. And Jesus is the, the source of true life, of spiritual life. Um, a life lived in relationship with him. Um, the word can also mean leader. Uh, Jesus uh, can be the, the leader of our lives, the one who gives us guidance. So, you know, if you just stop, even at this point in the sermon, um, and you think a moment about your life, you know, we want love and peace and joy. Uh, we want meaning. We want guidance. Where do we find them? Well, we find them in Jesus. There's no other place to, to turn right now. Well, how do you do that? How do you, um, how do you download this life that Jesus makes available to us? How do you access it? Well, Peter answers that question in the second part of his sermon. In verses 19 to 21, he says, Repent, therefore, and turn again. In other words, try another leader than the one that you've been following and you know, in, in this crazy time, I think everybody's wanting some leader to step forth and show the way out of everything. But, you know, no human leader can do that. It's too complicated. And uh, I think it's time even for long-term Christians, maybe in a fresh way, to uh, turn to Jesus as uh, as the leader, as the one we put our trust in to deliver us and be with us and guide us. I saw a Twitter post recently it said, my wife is singing, Jesus, take the wheel. We're Muslim. <laughs> I think many of us are singing, Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, I think another word for what Peter talks about when he's talking about repentance is um, just surrender. I'm reading a, a book right now by a businessman who decided to surrender to whatever life would bring him. Uh, he's not writing from a Christian perspective, and I don't necessarily see the same the world the same way that he does. But it's really a challenging story because I don't surrender well. When you think about it, um, that word has, has a negative connotation. Uh, it's for losers. Surrenders is for losers. But the the writer doesn't talk about surrender in a passive, passive or fatalistic way. He's a very hardworking um, businessman. But he means that when life, or I would say the author of life, brings you something, whether it's good or bad, you, you, you surrender to it, you lean into it, you accept it, you embrace it, you go into it rather than around it, and that there are some treasures, there are some gifts that can be found when we um, surrender to the author of life and whatever he brings us. And Peter mentions some three gifts that come when we surrender to Jesus. He says, our sins are blotted out. Repent, therefore, turn again that your sins may be blotted out. That Greek word for blotted out was used to describe washing 
the papyri, the scrolls to remove letters written in ink. Isn't that beautiful? Because don't we all kind of carry around a piece of paper with charges written against us, um, accusations, criticisms that our enemy whispers to us day and night? Well, when we when we surrender to Jesus, our the suffering servant um, erases all of those condemning thoughts and just takes them off the paper. Peter says when we surrender to Jesus, we experience times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. And that Greek word uh, for refreshing means um, to cool off something that's hot, to uh, heal or restore a wound. It can also be used to refer to Sabbath rest. Uh, it's a beautiful picture, um, uh, and it comes from the, uh, the the presence of the Lord, or literally the face of the Lord. So when we surrender to Jesus, one of the gifts, especially when you surrender in a challenging time and you meet him in that, is you have access to his presence, access to his face. And maybe that's just something to remember um, this week. It's just... Spend some time in his face, looking at his face. Spend some time in his presence and allow him to refresh and, and restore and renew you. Well, then Peter says the third gift that comes when we surrender to Jesus is that we get to join Jesus in restoring the world. He says, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for the restoration of all things. You know, when we surrender to Jesus, we are surrendering to a hopeful view of the future. Um, Jesus doesn't just beam us up out of a doomed planet. He, he asks us to join him in the, the restoration of all things. That's kind of the plan. That's the story. That's where history's going. It's easy to forget that, though. Um, last fall, I was swimming in an open water race, and the winds kicked up, and uh, the waves came out, and I lost sight of the shore, got lost for a while. It was very disorienting. And finally, uh, on the top of uh, one of the waves, I caught sight of a, of a bright orange buoy uh, about a half mile down the shore. And then I knew where I was again. And even though the waves kept going, I could swim towards the buoy. And eventually I got back on the course. Um, I think this is a wavy time. There's a lot of wind. Um, and I think this truth that Jesus uh, is restoring all things, that there's a purpose, a telos to history, uh, can be like that orange buoy. If, we don't just focus on the ways but we look at that buoy. Um, I think we'll find that we'll swim harder. We'll get back on course. We'll find hope. So Jesus is with us uh, in our suffering. He's sovereign over us in our plans. He's the author of life. And he invites us to surrender to him. And when we do this chattering monkey constantly criticizing us loses its power we have access to the refreshing presence of god and we join jesus in restoring all things well peter closes his sermon by explaining to his jewish audience that jesus fulfills scripture and he starts with a prophecy from deuteronomy moses said the lord god will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers 
Jesus is the second Moses. And then Peter says more broadly that all the prophets ultimately point to Jesus. All the prophets who've spoken from Samuel to those who came after him proclaim these very days. And then he kind of concludes with the big finish. He says Jesus is actually the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Remember, at this point, uh, Jesus hasn't started a new theme. Um, he's kind of the fulfillment of, of, of Judaism. Uh, this is like a reform movement within Judaism. Jesus is not a new idea, but part of the eternal plan of God. And he still is. So this is a fascinating, chapter 3 is a fascinating little uh, example of a way that the, the apostles often ministered word and power, uh, a healing, a deliverance, and then uh, a sermon explaining the kingdom of God, the power of God. And, and I found myself thinking this week, what, what kind of miracle would make uh, people in our world today curious about Jesus? And um, I think physical healing, you know, certainly would. No, I think we should keep praying for that. I kept thinking of another kind of healing miracle um, that might make our neighbors curious about the gospel. Um, what, what if we experienced um, a healing of the relational tension in our world? Um, what, what if we didn't just simply bring into the church and mirror in the church uh, all the tensions that are tearing up society. What if we were not a cancel culture, um, but a committed culture? Uh, what if those dark energies that are swirling around and tearing up families and cities and states and making us suspicious of one another and argue, what if they didn't find a home in our church? Um, what if Jesus cast them out? Um, what if what if we were a space, a place, a community where we could talk openly and honestly about race, whatever your perspective? Um, what if we were a community where you could talk about however you felt about the pandemic, whatever your perspective, and that we didn't judge each other, but we, we listened to one another? What if we were a space where we held tension well? Then perhaps our neighbors would be curious and want to hear more about the suffering servant, the Holy One, the author of life.